1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. and Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Pastor Rick Stevens. He's going to be joining us, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Crystal Kindle is the uh, uh, clerk, of course, of the Circuit Court of Collier County, as well as our comptroller. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is January the thirteenth and on this day in eleven twenty eight, Pope Honorius the Second granted a papal sanction papal sanction to military order known as the Knights Templar, declaring it to be an army of God. Led by Frenchman Hughes de Payens, the uh, Knight Templar organization was founded in 1118. Its self-imposed mission was to protect Christian pilgrims on their way to to and from the Holy Lands during the Crusades, Crusades, the series of military expeditions aimed at defeating Muslims in Palestine. For a while, the Templars had only nine members, mostly due to their rigid rules. In addition to having noble birth, the Knights were required to take strict vows of poverty, obedience, and chastity. In 1127, new promotional efforts convinced many more noblemen to join the order, gradually increasing its uh, size and influence. By the time the Crusades ended unsuccessfully in the early 14th century, the order had grown extremely wealthy, provoking the jealousy of both religious and secular powers. In 1307, King Philip IV of France had both Pope uh, Clement of the 5th <clears throat> combined to take down the Knights Templar arranging and arresting the Grand Master Jacques de Malay on charges of heresy, sacrilege and sacred uh, satanism. Under torture Malay and other leading Templars confessed and were eventually burned at the stake. Clement dissolved the Templars in 1312. The modern-day Catholic Church has admitted that the persecution of the Knights Templar was unjustified and claimed that Pope Clement was pressured by secular rulers to dissolve the order. Over the centuries, myths and legends about the Templars have grown, including the belief they may have discovered the Holy relics, such as the uh, Temple Mount, including the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant as parts of the cross from Christ's Christ's, uh, crucifixion. Of course, they're uh, also... Uh, were uh, mentioned in the uh, Da Vinci Code, an important part of the Da Vinci Code as well, the great movie. So uh, I think just a life example, though, of how no good deed goes unpunished, gathering wealth and becoming, they, you know, develop jealousy of the Knights Templar and it ended in their death. So watch your thoughts, they become words, watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. That from Lao Tzu, uh, ancient uh, Chinese philosopher. So it all begins with your thoughts. So uh, we can control our thoughts. We should have control over our thoughts. Important admonition from ancient Chinese. Well, the coldest front of the winter season will be hitting Fort Myers, Naples area tonight. And a second wave will be on its way across the region on the eve of Martin Luther King Day. Temperatures in the area will range from a low of 49, wow, 49 degrees on Saturday to a high of 73 in the afternoon. And apparently, uh, according to forecasts in the inland areas, it's expected to get even colder uh, temperatures. And there's another, of fo- uh, course, front following it. On uh, Monday, so uh, button up, it's going to get cold here on the Paradise Coast. Well, the Consumer Price Index rose 0.5% in December, following hot on the heels of a 0.8% increase in November, that according to the Labor Department. For the 12-month ending in December, the Consumer Price Index rose 7%, marking the largest 12-month increase since the period ending June of 1982. This jump followed a 6.8% increase in November. For items minus to the more volatile food and energy categories, prices rose 5.5% in the 12-month period, ending in December, the largest jump since the period ending in February 1991. Inflation is now trending above the of course Federal Reserve's target of 2%. It's also creating some wage pressures. New reports also suggest the labor market is nearing maximum employment, with the unemployment rate dropping to a 22-month low of 3.9% in December. However, of course, a lot of folks dropped out of the labor market. We still have about 5 million less workers than we had before the pandemic began. <clears throat> so, some people just not wanting to take the jab. Uh, just Others just uh, kind of, I guess, discouraged by the whole pandemic uh, scene. Nevertheless, A lot of inflationary pressure. We're going to have wage pressure uh, as well in terms of inflationary cause. So how did Joe Biden respond to the news about inflation? Of course, it's on the top of everybody's mind. He tried to spin it as usual. Today's report, which shows a meaningful reduction in headline inflation over last month with gas prices and food prices falling, he said, demonstrates that we are making progress in slowing the rate of uh, price increases. At the same time, this report underscores that we still have more work to do with price increases still too high and squeezing family budgets, he wrote. Inflation is a global challenge appearing in virtually every developed nation as it emerges from the pandemic economic slump. He added that America is fortunate that we have one of the fastest-growing economies, thanks in part to the American Rescue Plan, which enables us to address price increases and maintain strong, sustainable economic growth. That is my goal, and I'm focused on reaching it every day, said the president. I'm not kidding. He really said this stuff. Uh, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese added on MSNBC that people should focus on the economy and economic process achieved under the administration specifically rising wages, even though they're not keeping up with inflation. He didn't say that, but he said uh, we should focus on the good things the administration is doing. On Friday, we got historic wage increase data in the first in 40 years, he stated. I understand that there may be less exciting as the headline that the inflation prints, but the facts are that the wages are growing for people at the bottom, jobs are plentiful, and people have opportunities in this labor market, he said. That's a positive thing, and what we need to focus on now is how do we sustain this kind of economic recovery. The White House has tried to highlight positive economic signals at the expense of more troubling data, but the CPI statistic in particular will likely cause Federal Reserve Board Chairman Jerome Powell to raise interest rates in the near future, which, uh, some experts say, could stall economic growth. I wish you'd just stay away from interest rates. The market can set interest rates. We don't need uh, the Fed stepping in. What they should do is uh, just back off the whole notion of buying and accommodating this market by buying up securities. President Joe Biden told an audience of black students on the grounds of Morehouse College and Clark Clark Atlanta University on Tuesday that he was arrested during the civil rights struggle, though there is no evidence that such an arrest ever happened. Biden was speaking in support of Democrats' so-called voting rights legislation, including the John Lewis Voting Rights Act Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, which are one-sided bills currently struggling to pass a Senate filibuster. In closing his speech, Biden told students at historically black institutions that the vote on these bills was a defining moment and one which would mark whether leaders were on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis. Again, he really said that. He added, the struggle to protect voting rights has never been borne by one group alone. We saw freedom fighters of every race, uh, leaders of every faith, marching arm in arm. And yes, Democrats and Republicans in Congress of the United States ending in the presidency. I did not live with the struggles of Douglas, Tubman, King, Lewis, Goldman, Cheney, uh, Schwerner, countless others known and unknown, I did not walk in the shoes of generation of students who walked in these grounds, but I walked other grounds because I'm so damn old I was there as well. Of course, I was trying to provoke some laughter, and I got a few giggles. They think I'm kidding, man. It seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested anyway, he said, but there's struggles here, and that's the one that opened my eyes. At the high school student in the late 50s and early 60s, they got me more engaged in the work of my life. Biden has made uh, similar claims before, most of which were later proven to be false. In 2020, he had to walk back a false claim that he was arrested in South Africa while trying to see jailed leader and later President Nelson Mandela. Biden has also made dubious and somewhat retracted claims about marching personally in civil rights demonstrations. Well, he is just, uh, he is a piece of work, isn't he? Unbelievable that he'd lie, he'd go to a black college and lie to them about his uh, marching and civil rights activities with absolutely no proof. Well, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell slammed President Joe Biden in a speech from the Senate floor on Wednesday for Biden's widely criticized speech from yesterday, saying it was so profoundly unpresidential that it would have made Russia propaganda blush. Twelve months ago, a newly inaugurated president stood on the west front of the Capitol, and here's what they, he had to say. My whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation, McConnell said. Yesterday, the very same man delivered a deliberately divisive speech that was so designed to pull our country further apart, said McConnell. Twelve months ago, the president said he, we should see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. Yesterday, he called millions of Americans his domestic enemies. Uh, McConnell continued. Twelve months ago, the president said that this agreement must not lead to our disunion. But yesterday, he invoked the bloody disunion of the Civil War, the Civil War to demonize Americans who disagree with him. He compared a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors. How profoundly unpresidential," said McConnell. McConnell said that if Biden gave the speech. He did not recognize the man at the podium yesterday. The president's rant yesterday was incoherent, incorrect, and beneath his office, said McConnell. The president repeatedly invoked the January 6 riot, which he himself was using irresponsible, delegitimizing rhetoric that undermines our democracy. The sitting president of the United States compared American states to totalitarian states. He said our country will be an autocracy if he does not get his way. His world uh, world saw our sitting commander-in-chief propagandize against his own country to to the degree it would have made Pravda blush. Twelve months ago, the president said that politics need not to be raging fire, destroying everything in its path. That was just twelve months ago. Yesterday, he was pouring a can of gasoline on the fire. In less than a year, restoring the soul of America has become this. Agree with me or you're a bigot. From lowering the temperature to invoking totalitarian states and civil wars, said McConnell. Well said, McConnell. I'm not always uh, agreeing with the things that you say, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that describes the president's activities pretty darn well. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Lulubees.com and stop by Lulubee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time. Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Call Your Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Your Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org, or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app just by going to the website, choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with our clerk, of Courts, Crystal Kinzel. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. Uh, he is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hey, happy to talk to you, Bob. Always a pleasure.
1: Oh, my pleasure indeed, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: Florida Citizens Alliance is a group of people from all across Florida. We consider ourselves an alliance. We join together to work to improve education for children in K-12 through schools. We think that there are good solutions in education, and we want to help find solutions to those problems that parents notice and that people find, bring to us. And we advocate for that all across the state in the legislature at local school boards and all kinds of venues because we think children deserve the best education we can give them to help equip them for their lives.
1: Yeah, doing a great job, too. Been around eight or nine years. And I must say the uh, traction that you've gotten in Tallahassee. And the influence you've had has just been so positive, including getting, rid you of know, Common Core and just a number of real successes over the years. So I congratulate you, uh, Pastor Rick, and uh, as well as Keith Flaw, the co-founder of Florida Citizens Alliance. It's GoFLCA.com, GoFLCA.com. I hope you check out the website. Pastor Rick, uh, we're heading into the, the legislative session has now started. Uh, my guess is you've got a number of things hanging fire right now. Maybe you could bring us up to date.
2: Well, there are a lot of things going on legislatively. You're exactly right. And uh, I was trying to think how to compare some of what people in Florida are feeling these days with things in the past. And at the top of our list for a long time now has been, we need to get rid of critical race theory teaching in our schools. It has no place in our schools. We don't want our children exposed to such things. And we've heard that all, all across the state. And I was thinking about that. And the most Interesting comparison that comes to my mind is with Common Core, and you mentioned it a moment ago. And it seemed like we had real trouble getting rid of Common Core until all of a sudden it was gone. Well, the critical race theory is a persistent problem. I heard somebody talking about it yesterday. Hmm. They've been looking at school books, and it's still there. But the good news is, and as probably everybody knows, the governor made a very strong statement that we're not having Common Core – or, pardon me, critical race theory in Florida – and now we understand that the legislature is working on that with all diligence. And some bills have been filed that give us real encouragement because we see that they're following some of the patterns that have been done in other states, like Oklahoma. And those were good efforts to to really come at this problem in a way that makes a, a real difference. We also understand that both the Senate staff and the House staff are working right now on a bill, on language, on a bill for Critical race theory. Well, the reason that's encouraging is because they seem to be working together to come up with the best product, not in co- in competitive um, means where we want ours, or and the other side wants theirs, yeah. that kind of thing. So if they're working together, that's a very <clears throat> good sign.
1: That sounds great. Pastor I mean, just for our listeners' benefit, we've already taken action against critical race theory. But, you know, when people have a desire for something to happen, they are using nefarious means to try to get it back into the curriculum. For example, I'm talking about critical race theory. So I think what you're saying is that while we've already acted on it, we're going to take definitive action now going forward in this legislation and get rid of it for, for sure.
2: Right, and that's a good point. We have taken action in terms of the State Board of Education passed a rule but the governor believes, and a lot of us believe, that we need to put it into legislation because that has much more strength than a rule. So people should understand that's the reason for it. And, and we think it's going to be a, a little bit more comprehensive when it comes to the legislative process as well and it'll touch many more areas that will protect people in our state, not just schools, but other other workplaces as well. Yeah, so that's very important.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's that's an important step forward. Uh, other legislation?
2: Well, we might ought to mention uh, Representative Rommel's bill that he has introduced regarding cameras in the classroom. And a lot of people have been kind of interested by this, and a lot of people have have kind of come out on one way or another. They're concerned about privacy, especially as it relates to children, and and we should be concerned about that. I've heard people more than once mention, well, what about hacking? And that's reasonable to, to ask, and we need to solve all these problems. But what Representative Rommel has done is his bill introduces the opportunity for school districts to decide and the requirement that they make a decision. He framed this bill in a very good way to help people understand that it can be a safety issue as well as an accountability issue so that if your child comes home from school and says, my teacher did this to me, well, somebody could go back and look at the camera video and discover that, well, like sometimes happens with our children, they came home with a different story than what really happened. Well, that's good for the teacher. And if the teacher actually did something that was inappropriate, then we have the opportunity to say, to make corrections on those kind of things. The really interesting thing is, will school boards decide to do this? Because it will become their decision. Right. They often will tell us they want the opportunity to decide. Now they'll get to decide. And we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. You know, Pastor Rick, I know there's so many other things hanging fire right now, but uh, you've got a couple events like, uh, coming up I'd like our listeners to find out about. Maybe you could tell us about it.
2: Yes, we do. We've been having a series where we have guest speakers come in and talk about the Constitution and its importance and, and their perspective on that. And so next Thursday, on January 20th, we're having Nick Adams come. And Some people might recognize that name. He's been on television and been a commentator. He also wrote a book that President Donald Trump called a must-read, first time in history that a sitting president ever endorsed a book. Huh. And so he's going to be with us on January 20th at the Silver Spot Cinema. And people can sign up on our website, goflca.org, under the events column and a very minimal registration fee. But come and meet Nick and hear what he has to say. We think it'll be be a great evening.
1: And that's coming up next Thursday. And, again, goflca.com or org. It doesn't matter which one. Goflca.com. And then you've got a big event coming up in March.
2: Oh, very big. In March, we're hosting Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk. First time they have ever appeared together. It's our big gala for the year, March 9th, and it'll be at the um, Ritz Carlton Tiburon. We want to invite people to sign up for that. The information is also available on our website. And, and as some people may not be aware, because we haven't talked about this as much, we're also having Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee make a presentation. So it is going to be a packed evening. It's going to be like nothing else that that people could find any place. We want to really invite people to come and join us. We'd love to have them there.
1: Well, and of course, this all underscores the importance of uh, underwriting the cost, the uh, expenses of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, I know Pastor Rick and uh, Keith Law work at, they on, on their own dime, and their travel everything. They cover themselves. They don't get paid for this. So we owe a debt of gratitude to them, and one of the ways we can support their work is by making a contribution and attending these two events. So, again, I encourage you to go to uh, goflca.com. GoFLCA.org, either one. Pastor Eric, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, thank you, Bob. I really enjoyed it.
1: My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, our clerk of courts of the uh, circuit court here in Cuyahoga County, as well as our controller, Crystal Kinzel. She'll be with us as well. All that right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs)
0: the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett-Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions visit golfshoreplayhouse.org that's golfshoreplayhouse.org we'll see you at the show
0: welcome back to the bob Hartle show and now here's your host Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. Just one of the activities is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our uh Collier County Clerk of uh, Circuit Court, as well as our controller, Crystal Kenzel. Crystal, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Thank you, Bob. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to your listeners.
1: Well, thank you, too. And you're one of those just critical services, providing some of those critical services that are kind of out of the spotlight. So maybe you can tell us about kind of the parameters and the work that you do.
3: And thank you. Yes, we take every opportunity to let the citizens know what we do and why we're here, because we're one of those back house operations. Right. We first serve as their comptroller. So our office handles, and we're in the process right now of preparing the annual financial statements for 2021. So we do all of the reporting on debt. Um, WE DO ALL OF THE DOCUMENTATION. IF THE BOARD OF COUNTY COMMISSIONERS DECIDES TO TAKE ON A DEBT, WE ARE RESPONSIBLE FOR ALL OF THOSE PAYMENTS AND TRANSACTIONS AND PAPERWORK um, THAT'S INVOLVED WITH THAT, AS WELL AS THE FINANCIALS. WE ALSO PAY ALL OF THEIR VENDORS, ALL OF THE PAYROLL FOR THE BOARD OF COUNTY COMMISSIONERS, THE CLERK, AND THE SUPERVISOR OF ELECTION BY CONTRACT. Um, SO WE HAVE A ROLL, CALL YOUR County's $2 BILLION. Uh, Going into 2022, so we're booming. Uh, There's a lot of building and construction and projects going on, and we monitor all those. We're also the auditor to the board of county commissioners, so that serves the taxpayers well. We unfortunately have some... uh, Vendors in process that, that have set, uh, violated the law, and we work very closely with law enforcement because we want to protect the integrity of what we do.
1: Yeah, that sounds uh, so interesting. Really critical work. Also, one of the important things, of course, is the uh, recording of Collier County real estate transactions. That's just critical. You know, I see these commercials on TV suggesting that somebody could steal your the uh, your home or your possession or your by, uh, by uh, you know, using fraud. Is that really possible?
3: Well, yes. Unfortunately, we've just had a local uh, resident We had a family member call. Their elderly parent had been conned from documents. Um, because of our vast public records laws in Florida, uh-huh. much information is available to the citizens. That's a great service and convenience, but it's a double-edged sword that a lot of information is out there for the taking and we have some, unfortunately, unscrupulous people that will attempt to take it. But that gives me an opportunity to talk about our fraud alert. Um, you mentioned getting things in the mail for $89. You can get a copy of your deed. Well, if you have property in Collier County, you can go on CollierClerk.com and get your deed yourself. Hmm. Um, we, you can also sign up for our fraud alert system. You record the names or information that would be on your property record. And if someone transacts business in those names or identifiers, we will send you an email. Hmm. So if you've sold your house, it's probably legitimate. If you haven't transacted any business, you need to jump on it and take a look. Yeah. So all they need to do is go to callyourclerk.com, sign up, free service. Don't pay eighty nine dollars for your deed. You can get it online free here. Even if you need a certified copy, it's a few dollars, not eighty nine ninety
1: five. Wow, well, uh, callyourclerk.com. Did you say dot? Com- com- dot gov or com dot com dot .com. com call your clerk dot gov i 'm going to do that right after the show <laughs>
3: it's and it's, and let me let me emphasize its c o l l i e r clerk because some clerks have used c a l l your clerk and and uh, that gets a bit confusing. So it's the county name clerk dot com.
1: Uh, cl- uh, clerk dot com. Well, I appreciate yeah. that, uh, Crystal. So uh, and of course all the all the records are. Man, there's a lot of real estate. There's a lot of recording that has to be done, and it has to be done correctly because well, if you have a a flawed deed or anything like that, it could lead to real problems later.
3: Right. And and let me tell you, we did almost eight hundred thousand pages in 21. Um, over 100,000 documents, uh, or 200,000 documents, um, actually, closer. And um, so, with that real estate boom, yes, we have been incredibly busy. We were very lucky. We, my staff is exceptional. They worked and worked and recorded anything that we had in house. Anyone that needed it by December 31st, and if we had it, it was uh, on the records. So we. Tr- that's our busiest time of year. Usually, is December the last week of December when everyone rushes to record transactions.
1: Yeah, thank you, Crystal, for that. Let's move to uh, your jury service. Uh, you're responsible for processing jurors and concluding qualifications, summonses, and so forth. Maybe you could tell us about that.
3: Right. Well, we've got a lot going on in jury. So thank you. Um, I know that this impacts people when they get that notice in the mail. They don't usually smile, and we would like to have them smile. It's a very important service. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing between 500 and 1,000 summonses a week because, of course, we're catching up from the COVID times. Mm-hmm. And we're also in the process where COVID taught us a lot, that we need to be flexible and fluid, be able to shift more quickly. We need to be able to do more things remotely, automatically. And so we're looking at a new jury system. Our jury system goes back to early 2000s or 1990-something. And so we're going to upgrade all of that, uh, and we're expanding the court uh, to – by two courtrooms, which will, of course, require more jurors and things uh, that, as the judges work back the, with the backlog and then the growth in Collier County. So we're expanding also the juror space. Um, now, all that won't be done in 22, probably it'll be in 23, but of course you have to start now with construction and everything that uh, takes a while these days. Um, but that's all in the works to serve the citizens a little bit better.
1: No, oh, that's outstanding. Hey, I understand you have a couple of new satellite offices that are opening.
3: Yes, and that's going to be a great service now. We'll probably be opening Heritage Bay um, a soft opening the end of this month, um, but hopefully sometime in February we'll do a, a groundbreaking and the official opening. But that is at uh, Mockley Road and 951. It will be similar to the Orange Blossom Regional. So it'll have the constitutional offices, the tax collector, the property appraiser, supervisor, and our office. So we're hoping that that will serve that entire eastern growth that we're seeing exceptional growth there. And uh, we hope that'll provide better service for those um, moving here or living in that area.
1: Sounds terrific. And the
3: second one is we're reopening. Uh, back before the recession in 08, we actually had a location on Marco Island, and we're going. To, the city has been gracious; they're going to work with us on a space in uh, the city hall annex, and we're going to provide the services right on Marco Island for them. Well,
1: that'll be outstanding. So, uh, before I let you go, I, I know that <laughs> there's a great opportunity for Valentine's Day for married couples as well as <laughs> those that are planning on getting yes. married.
3: Yes, you need to plan this. Um, we, we did this in 20. It was incredible. It was so much fun. It's one of the great things we do. Marriages are still outpacing dissolutions almost 2 to 1, or more than 2 to 1, actually. And um, we, we will be having on February 14th at the library here – I mean, I'm sorry, the museum here on the campus of the uh, courthouse and uh, county government in, on 41 and the airport – and it's open to anyone who registers. It's free, except if you are a newly married, you, of course, have to pay for your license and those legal documents. But uh, last in 2020, we had about six new couples and 14 or so uh, renewals. So we're hoping to exceed that. Please sign up. It's a great opportunity to um, make your spouse happy. Uh, so we highly recommend it. Um, we will have refreshments. We have some sponsors And uh, it should be a great day, great afternoon to celebrate the holiday.
1: Absolutely. So, again, uh, uh, collierclerk.com is the uh, website. Collier, the the, uh, county name, collierclerk.com is the website. Crystal, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: No, thank you for letting us uh, reach your listeners. And hopefully they'll enjoy uh, the things that we have, and and please go to our website. It has a wealth of information about the county.
1: Yeah, thank you, Crystal. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you, too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue.
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Hartman.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of terrific organization, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Seton Tell us about less government.
4: Yes, we just reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and no one else does, or very few, very few people do.
1: Yeah, that's right. Although last time we were on the air, we pointed out that our governor seems to be doing a pretty good job of at least moving in that direction.
4: And and remember, I said I I prefer I don't want Trump to run, and now Trump's attacking Desantis. Yeah. For not revealing his his uh, vaccination status. This is why. Uh, we want Trump policies. We don't want Trump. Go ahead.
1: Well, I disagree with that. But uh, that said, that said, uh, you did write a column, which is kind of changing topics. D.C. wants to further expand its abuse of veterans beyond the Veterans Administration. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah, there's been a—okay, the, obviously the Veterans Administration is awful. It's, it's our quintessential example of socialized medicine, and it's a disaster. It's right. existed— as as a sole government-only sourced form of healthcare since 1930 is when it's officially become a thing. And, I mean, it goes back further, but that's when it became government all all the time, all all the way. And it's a disaster. And as we know, Trump uh, signed a bill that uh, gives veterans choices because they're stuck in these VAs. Um, There's a a movie called Article 99 from the early 90s Hmm. With Keeper Sutherland and Ray Liotta and a bunch of other people making fun of a VA hospital. That's how long it's been. I mean, it's been a problem forever. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Well, in the name of protecting veterans, there's a law that's been passed about lending. And they're trying to expand, and it only covers existing, it, 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 it's a rate cap. We don't want, you know, we know what rate caps do. We, you know, we saw what rate We saw what. We see, we see what, vet, what government medicine does on, on caps, it creates wait lists. That's the problem with the VA. Is We had these secret wait lists where thousands of people were dying, waiting to even get a doctor's appointment in the VA. Right. Um, when you cap something, you, you don't cap the rate of something, you cap the actual thing. Right. We saw it in the 70s with gasoline. They put price caps on gas prices. And we had lines for miles and miles and miles to get a fill-up of your car. Um, this doesn't work. And they, in the name of helping veterans, they're gonna, there's a law. It's bipartisan in the House. There's a Republican who, for reasons surpassing my understanding, is co-sponsoring this thing. Um, it, it, it extends this cap on rates for veterans huh. to, uh, from the military to veterans. Well, what you're going to do is you're going to cap loans to right. veterans, not, not the rates. You're going to cap the loans. No right. one's going to lend to these people because they can't make any money on the loans to these people. Right. And so you know, these people will then be driven into the black market right. because they're going to have to go loan sharks and stuff. And these are short-term loans, what we're talking about here. They're, they're payday loans is, is, a, is a phrase for them. If you run out of money on a Tuesday – They'll lend you money until Friday when payday happens. Um, These are not mortgages. These are not, you know, 30 year interest loans. These are short term loans. Often, for people, as we know, we don't pay (laughs) military enough, so they don't make a lot of money, so their credit rating isn't great. Um, And if you, so you basically be capping them, pricing them out of getting any of these loans. A lot of these loans are very helpful you know you got a veteran who's a mechanic who needs to get to work and his car his car breaks down on a tuesday and he he can't fix his car well then he can't make money between tuesday and payday
1: right uh so
4: it's just a very stupid idea and unfortunately it's, it's as with many stupid ideas in dc it's bipartisan and i'm just hoping that by drawing attention to this bill um we will stop it from actually becoming law. And
1: I'm so so happy that you did. I mean, it's just another form of price controls. Price controls don't work. Centralized planning does not work. The only reason why people are willing to pay the rates for a payday loan is, of course, they're paying not a lot of money. If you're only borrowing money for a few days, even though the rate may be 30 or 40 percent, you know. It's not a lot of money it's money. <laughs> it's not a lot of it's not a lot of coin fact of the matter yeah. is that pe- people you know it's more valuable for them to have their car and be able to get to work and make some dollars than it is for the six or seven Imagine dollars that they f-
4: make by, by the amount of money they make with the loan is well worth the amount of the loan for three days or five days or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: so they can make that decision. They certainly don't need somebody in Congress making the decision for the entire globe or for the entire nation about, right. uh, about and, this.
4: And, and that's, what's, uh, that's another level of what's wrong with the legislation is these idiots in Congress don't realize that they're making that decision for them. Yeah, it's. Ex- um, I don't think this Republican thinks he's making that decision for him he's that stupid that he thinks he's helping.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: um, he's helping these people. And, uh, you know, um, he because does, he doesn't realize, you know, this is chess, this isn't checkers, and when Congress makes a move like that, it results in three successive moves that happen automatically after the first move, and all of a sudden the only people that can get loans are Elon Musk. Yeah, and art collection.
1: yeah so the you know, unintended consequences of this is they're th- thinking they're going to be helping, they're going to get a pat on the back because they're helping veterans. They're not. They're simply drying up the source of our resources for veterans under a, a, a difficult situation and making it impossible for them to, uh, you know, that can lead Extricate to...
4: Extricate themselves from the situation.
1: Exactly. Exactly right, uh, yeah. certainly. I'm so grateful that you've uh, drawn attention to these types of issues that you always do, and I appreciate that so much. Just encourage our listeners to you know come out with a couple of columns. Well, I'm guessing five or six columns a week. And uh, no, 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 not that many. No, <laughs> yeah. no,
4: no, no, no. no but...
1: Two to five. Two to five. Well, you can find them all on lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org is the website. You can also uh, visit Less Government on Facebook as well, Less Government. Seaton, I wish I thought of the name of that organization. It's a great (laughs) name. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank
4: you very much, sir.
1: My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, I know we just completed the whole notion of interviewing candidates for the city council. I know he was part of that process, so I look forward to the feedback on this interview. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, Cafe M25, car wash and detailing center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
0: back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your
1: host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now and find out about the wonderful Performing Arts Center being built in downtown Naples. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Well, Bob, thank you for inviting me on this. uh can't tell what kind of Thursday it's going to be, but they said cold front coming in this afternoon and then getting even colder over the weekend. So we'll yeah. see.
1: Well, it's supposed to get down into the 40s on Saturday. So.
5: <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, which reminds me, by the way, it looks like the Buffalo Bills are going to be playing the New England Patriots. I'm thinking you're kind of crowing right now about your Bills.
5: Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, we've been mouthing off about them all. Well, we've been, we're Bills fans, so we take the good and the bad, you know. So sure. yeah, we're excited about that uh, we'll play in the Pats on uh, uh Saturday night at 8:15. So um it should be nice and brisk up there in 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 Bill Stadium and uh Of course, Chris and I are hoping for a a Buffalo win. I know there's a lot of Pats fans out there because I take a lot of heat. So, uh, you know, it's good-natured and um, – Bill well, Belichick, uh, you can never sell him short. You know that.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know what? Uh, the Bills are favored. I'm. I think they're at least uh, yes. three or four point favorites. Of course, we're my uh, Patriots fans, and so oh, I think.
5: Oh, I know. The not want to hear this conversation.
1: So no. So I. I think I owe you the ability to have a dollar wager on the game. Even points. Well,
5: okay, uh, but you have to determine the point spread. The so three or four—I think it's four—the last I saw in the paper. So you will get—you will get four points. How's that for one dollar?
1: Well, oh my goodness, that's—I uh, wasn't even asking for points. I think that's so okay, generous. Well,
5: I just want to pick an in game. I'll—I'll I'll be more than happy to do that. I just want anybody to say, hey, you took advantage of Bob Harden?
1: No, no, no. Well, I'll take the four points. So thank you, Bill. Oh, okay. We're on. I <laughs> should. So I know uh, last week we talked about uh, the interviews that uh, the organization, I've forgotten the name of the organization, will be doing with the uh, candidates for, for the uh, city council. The election's coming up on February the 1st. I just hope you can give us some feedback on what happened.
5: Yeah, um, well, I, you know, always drama, you know, never never without drama. Well, um, Ms. Portinoff, uh, uh well, I don't ever pronounce her name right. I just, for some reason, can't get it right, and it's not intentional. But anyway, um, she never showed. Um, huh. it, we had made. Uh, I know that our president of uh, of NBG, Sally Tiffany, had reached out four times to her. She didn't respond to emails. Finally, got in touch with her, and she um, she said, "Well, I don't know." And then she said, "No, I can't make time that day. I have some kind of an event." scheduled for that day and uh, if she had responded in the beginning maybe they could have made arrangements for her so she was a no-show and uh, Terry... Uh, Hunch- who, is,
1: who is that again, Bill?
5: Um, Beth Petronov.
1: Petronov. So uh, she must not yep. want to be a city council member too badly.
5: I, I don't know. Um, she sends a lot of uh, literature around and, and the, the difficult thing with with her is figuring out uh, all her campaign literature has different times and dates that she's lived in Naples and we can't quite figure out. Uh-huh. Uh, one said she's been three generations or her family's been three generations in Naples, Florida. And the, and one gives her career and said that, uh, the, uh some people had looked it up the last time she voted, um, was in New Canaan, Connecticut, in uh, in 2020, I believe. Um, I don't think that she has done anything in our city of Naples as far as uh, uh, civil, you know, civil or um, community activities, charities, anything like that. Huh. And, uh, so my guess, Bob, is she's been here two years or more, just living here. Yeah.
1: So um, just cutting to the chase, it doesn't sound like yeah. you're making a recommendation to vote for her <laughs> for city <No>. council.
5: <laughs> in, we didn't endorse her and um and then um we did endorse uh uh ian Rudnick, uh the uh real nice young man former police officer in the city of naples uh um and 17 years on the city uh and he he was terrific very good very good candidate and ray chrisman who uh is an incumbent and was is very solid uh people know where ray is coming from uh He's he always speaks clearly and defines what he wants to do and uh, where he's at. So there's never any guesswork with him. So those are the three candidates that we did endorse. So Ray, uh, Ray Christman
1: and uh, Ian Ruddick, who is the third?
5: And John Dugan. John,
1: John. Dugan. Now, is John, right. he's not currently serving on the council, is he?
5: No, no, no. He, he's a newcomer as well. Um, and uh well I, I talked about um terry hutchison that he he didn't show so uh anyway so those are the three candidates that we have endorsed and um i wish them well uh they our, our board was there and we asked a lot of questions and they um they certainly answered them candidly um and um so that that's uh, naples better government uh endorsements and we've been doing this naples better government has been in in business so to speak for 30 years here this is our 30th anniversary wow uh, nonpartisan, uh which is important to say so that's uh that's 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 the candidate update
1: well i must say the uh you know the the vote is important uh, it, if you live in naples you have the ability to vote you should uh, first of all get good information you can certainly get it from uh from this organization but second of all, I need to vote, because sometimes the difference in votes for who wins and who loses, you, you, 10, 20 votes, it's, it's not a big number.
5: Are we talking about, um, well, you know, I'm the, perf- I'm the classic example, Bob. I mean, 25 percent of the city of Naples voted uh, in, in my election, 25 hmm. percent. Uh, so you're right. It certainly makes a point, if you know what I'm saying. And I think you
1: do. So why uh, the, why why does the uh, why does the Naples why do you choose February first for example? Which uh, why not be on the uh, the same cycle as, for example, the midterms or? You oh know? sure.
5: Um. Well, the, the reason, Bob, is because of the snowbirds. Ah. Uh, and, and there, that's the time that everybody is here and in Naples. And if you're a Florida uh, voter and everything, it works out well because you just can't do it along the same schedule as the uh, primaries and everything else. Nobody's here.
1: That makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And he has been doing that for forever, as far as I'm concerned. I can't remember ever not doing that. It could be March sometimes, but uh, it, it depends on a on a certain date that something else has to fall on, etc. Through the county politics, but it's it's usually February. It's usually the the first or second Tuesday in February.
1: When does our mayor come up for reelection?
5: Uh, two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I, that's all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Bill, uh, we certainly.
5: If she, it, if she makes it another two years, yeah. Um, she she will be there for two years. I doubt very much she will run again.
1: So uh, she, there's been some ethics complaints. I mean, it's gone up to Tallahassee. Uh, any... Jeez, Bob.
5: <laughs> They've been there since. I mean, it's been months and months and months that the State of Florida Ethics Commission has had that, that seven-page complaint. Where all the allegations were made, and about our IT manager and everything else. Well, that has been sitting up there for I'm going to say six months, and nothing gets done about it. Plus, you can't ask them anything because they'll deny, they'll deny uh, having any knowledge of it. Of course, they do because you know it was once they got it, they let people know that they had received it. And there's a couple of them sitting up there. And yet life goes on as normal, and uh, uh, I, it's just very, very frustrating to someone. And that's the reason that the city uh, – remember, we formed our own ethics uh, committee at a price of about $200,000 uh, yep. a year uh, with salary and equipment and everything else. Everything got set up. I have not heard one, one ethics complaint. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know whether – any of the taxpayers care what they're doing or not, but it kind of, I'm i am just kind of sitting back listening and watching this. It's like, okay guys, so how about a report? Uh, and what have you done? And we haven't heard any ethics complaints or maybe they have, and they just don't tell us. I don't know. i I'm, I'm it,
1: it may reflect that we've got a, a clean government here in in, Collier, in uh, Naples, and certainly uh, there is a lot of evidence that the, that the uh, business of running the government is good. Although there are certainly some reasons to have concern. Uh, fortunately, I don't think it's too much about fiscal policy; it's more around uh, behavior, right. behavior. Well, so, yeah,
5: and we're still trying to find a new city manager. Uh, we've now we're now in our uh, uh, third uh interim city manager um we have our our wonderful fire chief pt maria who is now acting as interim city manager and at least there is one thing written in this contract that if it doesn't this doesn't work out he can go back to being fire chief yeah that's a good good so thing. uh he's, he's a great guy good but thing. you know so they go through daily i mean it's kind of tough for staff with um well, i mean pete does a good job obviously but um It's very difficult on our staff, and we're still losing staff.
1: Yeah. Well, for another day, Bill Barnett, again, (laughs) our former mayor of Naples, I just genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary here on the show. And just know, Bill, that on Saturday night, we'll be rooting for the Patriots.
5: Well, okay, Bob, I, I understand that, and I will say to you to end the show, go Bills.
1: Okay, thanks so much, Bill. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we got great guests lined up. William Aitman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds will be joining us. Uh, Michael Cannon is the director of health care studies at the Cato Institute. And Naomi Perez is the executive director of the Immokalee Foundation will be joining us. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.